Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Somos Moss. My name, of course, is Seth Fidoff, and this is episode number 35, part one of our show this week. And we've got a whole lot to get to. Uh, if you're familiar with the show, of course, you know that we talk about New Mexico United and the biggest sports stories from around the world. And joining me as we do each and every week, we have Jacob Terrell and Earl Nieto. Uh, and we are Somos Moss. Guys, I don't know about you guys. Normally, you know, normally we'd ask, you know, we, we were in the habit of asking, how you doing? How's your week been? I know that we've had a lot going on. Um, I was just minutes ago trying to disassemble our dryer to figure out what was wrong with it. And, um, but I don't think anything that we have done this week probably compares to how busy this, the, the news and the sports world has been. And before we get into all of that, I do want to ask you guys one burning question. And that is, do teams do clubs do soccer clubs specifically need to look at different apparel makers when it comes to designing their kits or jerseys i don't know jacob can you answer that one you're the only one that got the new kit so <laughs> uh i feel like this is teeing me up for either a rant or or for me to back down on my words that I used uh, here over the weekend. Um, I'm going to answer the question by saying no. Uh, I typically love what most kit company or what most apparel companies are doing. When it comes to the new United kit, I am excited about it. Much like Earl, I do really, really like it. I just feel like it's not unique whatsoever to New Mexico United other than the fact that it has a New Mexico United patch and our awesome sponsors uh, on the front. If you take that away, it just looks like a lot of Puma gear that is out there. So I get it. It's hard to, you know, make something that's unique for every club that you represent when you represent all these clubs from around the world. So I'm not going to bash them too hard, but I I don't think we have the best clubs in the league, like a lot of people say. Um, I think we have the best sponsors. I, I think if you look at Meow Wolf and Electric Playhouse, and even Crane Shares, the logo as far as far as Crane Shares go, I think they look pretty good on a soccer kit. But as far as the kits themselves, the design of the kits themselves, the third one, especially this one that I'm wearing here, uh, isn't isn't the best third kit out there. And actually, I did a a what you want to call it a survey for the Beautiful Game Network about previews, and one of the questions on it was who my favorite kits were um, for the twenty twenty one season so far, and I did not say New Mexico United. Um, so yeah. Now, before we get to Earl's answer, you know, we do want to point out uh, for those that aren't familiar with New Mexico United or our sponsors, Electric Playhouse. Why aren't yeah, you? First, first of all, why aren't you? Uh, but secondly, Electric Playhouse and Meow Wolf are both local, which is something that's fairly unique among uh, soccer kit sponsors. If you look at others, it's much larger companies or uh, larger entities that are necessarily locally owned, uh, like what we have. And Crane Shares, of course, I believe is a partner um, with uh, one of Peter's ventures, I, I believe. I don't know the exact details. I of think that. you're right. Yeah, so um, just, just, it's a local tie, which I think is incredibly awesome. And it's something that the club has always tried to do. Now, in terms of 
this kit. I, I, I like the kit. I think it looks fantastic. I think it's a great coloring. You know, we all kind of thought that the turquoise was coming. Uh, now, I think they're calling it what, electric turquoise or electric uh, something. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. electric turquoise. Electric turquoise. And uh, so I, I think it's a fantastic looking kit. Now, yes, the 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 layout of it, the honeycomb design is something that Puma does on other on other clubs kits and so i think a lot of people took issue with that and saying that the united kits weren't all that great but i think and Earl, correct me if i'm if i'm wrong here but i think the big deal about the united kit about the third kit here is while last year we did have the third kit we had the, the snaggy kit you know uh that was a kind of a, a one-off or two years ago did we wear that two years ago yeah, yeah okay. i should say uh, two years ago yeah. um we did have that. That was a limited release, but it wasn't a true third kit. And, and Earl, I guess, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the thing about United is that all the work that goes into the reveal of it, the the video the club put out uh, to showcase it and all that, and then the the event they had down at Electric Playhouse to where they actually sold tickets to it at different intervals, I think that's what sets United and this kit release apart from other clubs around the league. So, yeah, so I will give it to the club for their hype parties that they have. Um, so this latest one on Sunday, um, you had to choose between Jesus or a, a turquoise kit. Luckily for me, I was sitting in church looking at turquoise kit. We know which way Jacob went. Yeah, Jacob, which one did you pick? Jesus or a kit? I think I have the answer. Yeah, I, I went. I went to church and I got a kit. So they had them all the way to the afternoon. Our ticket was for two, so I had plenty of time to go to church and then get over there. So I don't. I don't know what you guys are talking about. So, anyways, back to what I was saying. Back to what I was saying. Um, I kind of like the way the club does it, where they make you pick and choose what you like more. Um, in this case, it was Jesus or the club. Um, but the video that they made. And the hype video that they made for the release was freaking incredible. They included all the new signings, um, with the exception of Kalen, um, he who's been there for two years now. But just the color of it all and the hyping of it throughout the week um, was incredible. Do I think that the the ticket thing? where you bought tickets for each 30 minutes was a good idea? No, it was not. Because then people like Jacob, who they went begged and pleaded for me and Seth to stay quiet until he saw his kit at 2 o'clock, um, I can tell you now, that was virtually... That lasted like that was five minutes. virtually <laughs> the most impossible five minutes I've had in my life. Because as soon as I saw it, I wanted to drop the freaking picture in the freaking chat in our group text, but because I promised you I'd be good that day. You you could have. I put my phone, I put our message, our group message I put on Do Not Disturb, so it wouldn't have popped up. Yeah, but the moment you look at your phone, you're going to see like 9,000 texts from me and Seth, and you're going, oh, what the hell are these guys talking about today? And That's, then you're going to pull it up, and you're going to be pissed an, because me and Seth showed the picture, and then when that, uh, that's all we have to hear for the rest of the Sunday is Jacob whining and complaining because we ruined his surprise. First of all, first of all, you act like I don't look at my phone every five minutes, and it's 10,000 messages between you two anyways during the day. So anyways, like I was saying... 
the most impossible five minutes of my life because, for one, I had to be good and not put a freaking group chat in the group chat because Jacob was trying to keep surprised until two o'clock. A group chat. As if he's not going to hop on Facebook and see the thousands of pictures that the club has already posted. I didn't do that, though. My wife was on Facebook, and I was laying next to her, and she scrolled past it, and I saw it. So I said, oh, cat's out of the bag. I guess I'll just hop on my Facebook and text you guys. Which I had already shared it, so I hope you didn't look at my Facebook. (laughs) I did eventually, but it didn't matter at that point. I was still excited about it. Well, actually, you can ask my wife. You can ask my wife. The first time I saw it, I was like, that's it? And then it grew on me, but I'm still a little disappointed, even though I'm wearing one right now and I spent $85 on it. So I am a little disappointed in it, too. I mean, do I love the color? Yes. Um, Do I think they could have did something more hypey about it? Yeah. Uh, Do I wish they would have did something more with New Mexico on it? Yeah, I wish they would have, but... I guess you can only follow the templates that's on the computer. I was all for it as soon as I started throwing out hints it was going to be turquoise because that was my guess. Like, as soon as they put the turquoise picture, I figured, oh, it's freaking turquoise. So when I saw it on Sunday, I wasn't surprised. But this was an exact video of me um, when I saw the kit. My wife is sitting right next to me, pretending that much. Scroll up, I see it. And I was in church. So for those of you that can't see, I was a little spastic kid that had just saw like a <laughs> purple crayon. Why were you listen, on your phone during Listen, church? don't ask cop questions. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus doesn't judge me either. So so I think I have two two main problems with it. One is the lack of anything New Mexico. Other than the sponsor, which you can put on anything, I, I would have been happy with. I think I would have been happier with a turquoise kit with the four red stripes for the Zia symbol, like the like the regular jerseys do, like the regular kids do. How they have the four four lines for the Zia symbol, I, I would have liked that incorporated somehow. And then my second problem with it, and probably my bigger problem with it, is. It's more minty than turquoise. Like it, it, it should be a bluer turquoise. And that's, they didn't nail the color. Had they nailed the color, I don't think I would care at all what was on it or that it was a replica of all these other Puma kits. Had they nailed the color, that wouldn't have bothered me. But I, I'm wearing it right now. And looking in the camera, it looks blue, bluer. But if I look down and look at my shoulder, it is definitely a greener or more green than than it should be it's probably a lighting thing is why it's doing that for you but um i i think to me it it still has a very distinct new mexican feel obviously you know the the turquoise jewelry is very big out here and so i think that's where they took that inspiration from now i understand you know wanting something more i understand wanting something like the zia or something like that uh to go along with it. But it's not turquoise, Seth. I mean, I, I imagine they have, um, they only have so many colors available to them. You know, I don't know how easy it is to put, make a, a make a turquoise shirt. 
you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm obviously not in the fashion industry. So I think, I think maybe there was something along that line, but who knows, you know, I mean, we've been asking for a third kit. I guess my question is, what do we have to do? What do we have to do to get you one? <laughs> what do we have to do to get me one? Um, make it so I don't have bills. How about that? Can we do that? <laughs> Can we just buy you one? Well, That'd probably be easier. Probably. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, is this a possibility? Is it frowned upon? I guess is. We'll get we'll get Earl's <laughs> mom. Yeah, I mean, thanks, mom. You came in the clutch today, and I sent her a picture. Um, she only had to pay sixty dollars for a Venus flytrap. There you go. <laughs> Honestly, you know. Meanwhile, I'm a grown ass man and bought my own. Aside from the aside <laughs> from the Cardiff scarf, the only other piece of New Mexico United gear that I actually have is the uh, is one of their uh, this is the white t shirt from the from the inaugural season that's signed by Santi. And uh, so yeah, actually, I, I I won that from the club before I even started covering them. Nice. And by the time I went down and picked it up and stuff, I started writing and they're like, oh, I talked to Lucas Cash for a while. He's like, oh, this is completely off the record. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like I'm not here in any official capacity right now. Like I just want a t-shirt from you guys. And, well, he, he, one thing he did tell me is that Santi rarely signs his full name, but he signed it Santiago, nice. <laughs> which was really unusual apparently. So uh, anyway, there you have it guys. New Mexico United, new kit. We've been asking for it. We've been begging for it. Uh, I think, I think despite the the criticisms of it, that folks are really happy with this kit. Yeah, it. I mean, it sounds like I'm being a negative Nancy, which I'm usually not, but I, I am just a little bit in this tent, in this in, instant. But if you look at me, I'm wearing it. I'm I'm still, I still put, still paid eighty five dollars for it, um, which I didn't do for. I, I didn't do for Man, one of the kids last year, even though I want to. Um, so it it was, it's nice enough to get me to open my wallet for a shirt, which isn't easy to do. So um, I do like it. I, do I feel like it could be better? Yes, but I still do like it. All right. So let's, uh, let's get into the rest of our show here, guys. We've been texting. We texted a little bit today. I didn't, you know, we didn't really get too much into it. And there's it for a major topic that's going to come here in just a little while. But uh, the first thing I want to get to tonight is it is draft week, ladies and gentlemen. NFL draft kicks off uh, next Thursday night, the 29th. Um, so one week out from the draft, do are there going to be any surprises in the first round? Are there going to be surprises for your team? I mean, I, I saw something today that said Bruce Arians is. I can tell you one thing. I didn't get a phone call. <laughs> you did not get that call from Roger Goodell saying, uh, come on up to the podium. Nope. I didn't get the invite. <laughs> well, now I was reading today that, uh, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers would not be against taking a quarterback in the first round. Uh, Jacob, do you think that's necessary? I mean, Tom Brady can't live forever. Can he? No, I think it would be a smart move if the right guy falls to them. Um, but I also, we don't, it's Tom Brady. So we say he can't live forever, but then all he's done is play until he's 43 and won a Super Bowl. So who the hell knows with him? But no, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be opposed to it, especially because we don't really have any major holes anywhere else. 
that we have to fill. So if the right guy's there when they pick in the first round, then sure, go for it. But but I think we see four quarterbacks off the board with the first four picks. So I don't think any of the top five will get to him. So that's a, I think that's an interesting take right there. You you think that uh, that the Atlanta Falcons are going to end up going a uh, quarterback there at number four, or do you think they trade out of it? I I think they probably trade out of it. Um, I I think that other teams are kind of like me when they hear San Francisco talking up Mac Jones. They'll kind of see it when they be, they'll believe it when they see it. But I think if Mac Jones is the pick at three and you have Justin Fields and Trey Lance still on the board, there's going to be people that want to move up. And it doesn't sound like Atlanta really wants it, wants a quarterback. So they can trade down to, say, Denver at, I think, eight and maybe get an extra first-round pick next year and still get somebody that's still really good, just not a quarterback. That's that's kind of what I think is going to happen. Earl is uh, the Dak Prescott replacement in this draft. Why would they replace him? Because <laughs> he's terrible. Okay, well, calm down. <laughs> so here's here's my thing: is a Dak Prescott replacement in this draft? Well, yeah, the next Tom Brady could be in this draft. Um, Dak Prescott got drafted in the fourth round. Tom Brady was like Mr. Irrelevant or some bullshit like that. So, yeah, the Dak Prescott replacement could be there. I mean, I for a while there was Andy Dalton who was the Dak Prescott replacement. Um, unfortunately, the Dallas Cowboys are super, super, super horrible at drafting. I'm sorry. I, I want to make sure I heard this correctly. You said that Andy Dalton is the replacement for Dak Prescott. No, he said he was. Was literally, that, literally, he, he was. replaced <laughs> Dak Prescott. But they just signed Dak Prescott uh, to like a bazillion dollar contract. For why I don't know, but they did. Yeah. Uh, so I think they go cornerback here, and uh, that's my guess. I see them looking so here's just my my wish list for for Dallas is obviously cornerback. Um the best corner out there right now is Patrick Sertain. I do see him falling to number ten. He could fall at to ten. If Patrick Sertain is not out there, uh I think we start looking elsewhere, such as tight end. With Pitts from Florida, that's another super, super safe pick to go with. And I would not be opposed to seeing Pitts. Um, I would love to see either Patrick Sertain or Pitts in Dallas. I would not be upset about that. But like I've said, Dallas is super stupid when it comes to drafting. And you'll pick C.D. Lamb over... Freaking whoever else went number 11 and had a freaking incredible year. If Kyle Pitts is there at 10, everybody that drafted before you needs to be fired. Well, okay, not everybody, but from like five to 10 needs to be fired because that dude's a freak. 
Yeah, and that's who I would love to see Dallas draft he, is either Kyle Pitts or Patrick Sertain. Patrick Sertain should be there, and that's probably who you guys get. Kyle Pitts will not be there. Yeah, I think that's a safe bet there to say that Kyle Pitts won't uh, still be there at 10. I, looking at NFL.com and the draft needs um, of some of these different teams, you know, I don't necessarily see where a tight end fits into these teams as far as a, a, as, a, as far as a, an actual need of theirs. But I think he makes any offense that he goes to significantly better. And you know, there's a number of teams that could that could use a good tight end. I mean, the Falcons especially could use a tight, use a tight end. I don't think they're going to draft pits there at number four. I think they would be better off using that pick, you know, on the defensive side, you know, or maybe trading back a little bit. I know there's talk about them making a, a massive trade with the Patriots and picking up like a uh, first round pick this year, first round pick, second round pick this year, first round pick next year. First round pick in 24 and maybe bringing in a cornerback as well from the Patriots, you know, just someone, you know, theorizing this. I mean, probably not going to happen, but, you know, there's definitely teams out there that could improve significantly here in the first round. But I think if you don't take a quarterback this year for some of these teams, then, or at least if you're not in the top, say, top 10, you may as well just not draft a quarterback this year. And you know, if you ask me, if you look at the talent that's out there, I mean, you've got the you know the top four or five, and that's it. Beyond those guys, who else is there really out there this year that's, that could make an impact at an NFL level? Well, you say that, but then we look at who, who's the best quarterback in the league right now. Aaron Rodgers, drafted seventeenth, I think. Who's the second best quarterback in the league right now? Look, we already know where you're going with this one. We no, I'm just saying. Mahomes. If you look at you look at Rodgers, you look at Mahomes, you look at Brady, you look at Roethlisberger, which I know he's past his prime, but like none of these guys were were even top five. Sure, you have the Peyton Mannings, the Andrew Lux, the Philip Rivers, the Eli Mannings, the. Baker Mayfields to throw Earl a bone um, that were drafted inside the top five. <laughs> but then after that, you don't have anybody in the top five. So it's these five, the five quarterbacks that everybody's talking about this year. It's no guarantee that that's the best quarterback to come out of this class. I can't disagree with you there on, on that point. You, you never know what talent is actually going to be there or what the ceilings of some of these players are going to be. But if you look at all of the data that's come out on these players that are in the draft this year, if you look at the, you know, that top five, the the elite guys this year, judging just by what they did at a collegiate level, there's a significant drop off in the quality of player between those top five guys and the rest of them. If you ask me, and that's why I think if you know if your team like the Falcons, if you don't take a quarterback here in the first round this year, you're better off waiting until next year or maybe even the year after, because you still have Matt Ryan who is still playing at a high level, or you know look at some other teams too. I mean, you know, I'm not a Dak fan, but I think Dak is a serviceable quarterback, and he he will get you, you know, a a, a 
eight and eight record for the next couple years, you know, uh, a nine and seven record. You, I love eight and eight. No, <laughs> that's impossible. Eight and eight is impossible okay, eight, now. Eight and one. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think you can, you can be moderately successful with guys like that. And there are a number of different teams around the league. And so unless you're willing to make that jump up into the top, you know, four five, six in the draft order, you know, maybe, maybe you are just better waiting. To me, there's, there's two prospects in this draft quarterback wise that I agree with your whole sentiment on. And I, I think Lawrence is far and away the best prospect in this draft at the quarterback position. Now, the second one, this is what, as somebody who hates Atlanta with a passion and has them in their division, you kind of, you always want to do what the other team doesn't want you to do. So like they talk about it in football, like with on fourth and one, you should base that decision off of what the other team doesn't want you to do. The other team doesn't want you to go for it most of the time. So you should go for it most of the time. So what I don't want Atlanta to do is I don't want Atlanta to draft Justin Fields. I don't want Atlanta to draft Justin Fields. <laughs> but see, you're coming at it from a different point of view than I am. I don't want it because I don't want to play him twice a year for the foreseeable future after Matt Ryan falls off a cliff. Cause, cause I think Justin Fields is going to be fantastic. I think he's going to be the second best prospect in this draft class. And I don't understand why he's even falling to four in the first place. Yeah, I, that I can't explain. I think he's, he is, you know, top two in the terms of quarterbacks who have declared for this draft and, and uh, let's let's take a look at some of the other quarterbacks that are out there right now. So Earl, I mean, looking at some of the other guys, obviously, you know, we we've, we're all basically in agreement at the top five. You know, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and Max Jones, top five QBs in this draft. And from there, you've got guys like you know Kellen Mond, Kyle Trask from Florida. You know, you've got um, Jamie Newman from UGA. You've got Ian Book from Notre Dame. Do you see? any of these guys supplanting any of the current NFL starters? Uh, I think Kyle Trask could outside of the top five. So outside of obviously Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, um, Kyle Trask is probably the best safest bet to up and anyone. Um, such as Dak Prescott, and I'm a Cowboys fan, and I I would say if Kyle Trask were to show up Dak Prescott, I would say that they would go with Kyle Trask in, in the starting position. Um, that's just one of my scenarios. I'm trying to look at who else is out there that I kind of know about. To me, I see Trask as as Tim Tebow 1.5. You know, similar build. I think he's a little bit better athletically than Tebow was, but I don't think that he necessarily has it for the NFL. 
I don't necessarily see him being successful at that level. And that that's why I have a hard time with some of these guys, you know, who went to the bigger name schools, you know, like like Ian Book or Notre Dame. I thought Ian Book looked good at times, but in that Notre Dame offense, they did not do well for for large portions of games at times. And so if you have a quarterback that can't manage it at at the highest level of the NCAA, I just don't see how that how they translate to an NFL level uh, of play. See, but the NFL is so different than NCAA. So obviously the offenses are completely different. So Trevor Lawrence, who right now is sitting on the NFL pedestal right now, he's the golden boy. He's guaranteed pretty much to be number one. He can choke and possibly tear an ACL, and there goes his season. Knock on wood. I I would hate for that to happen to him like it happened to Joe Burrow. Um, I think if Joe Burrow were to have went to a better team than the Bengals, he would have had a better rookie year. Um, he did ask for an offensive – or he did ask for a line – and instead, he got a brand new clothing line because they dropped New Jersey this week, which looks the exact same as last week, as last year's. Um, Jacob, you could smile, you son of a bitch. You stole it <laughs> off of Facebook. I know you did. I saw it already. So I knew it was coming. I stole it. On, actually, it was on Twitter, and I didn't even steal it. It was told to me this morning because I didn't see it until I was told. Um, Anyways, um, I think that any prospect can have a completely different season than what they were projected. I think that that trying to look at these late-round quarterbacks, these non-top-five guys... Uh, I think that my personal opinion is that it's Fields and Lawrence and then a bunch of guys. That doesn't mean that one of these guys can't pop. Maybe it's Zach Wilson. Maybe it's the Florida guy. Maybe it's the Georgia guy. I don't know. Um, like I said, that there's not Tom Brady sixth round, Russell Wilson second round, Aaron Rodgers, 17th pick, Pat Mahomes, 10th, 10th, 10th pick. Like it, it, you don't really know. And if you look at the top five quarterbacks drafted in the last seven years, it's not great guys. Like it's not, it's not, uh, aside from Mahomes, you're looking at Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, Ryan Tannehill, Jared Goff, Baker Mayfield. None of these guys are... Don't you disrespect the rules, I, I was waiting for him to react, but he didn't. None of these guys are like, oh my gosh, I'm so scared to go up against Carson Wentz. Um, so the only thing I will say is that Lawrence, by all accounts, is 
a can't miss prospect. He is he is Peyton Manning. Um, he is Andrew Luck. So I I kind of set him to the side. I I think he's going to be good no matter what happens. Um, and then I personally hold Fields in that not quite that tier, but but close. It, Fields reminds me of Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson, not necessarily playing style, but they are both, they're all three black quarterbacks who performed very well at a high level in college, but for some reason fell down the draft line. And in Lamar's case, he, I think he was the last pick of the first round and Wilson fell into the second round. And for no real reason, I don't, like I look back at, especially at Russell Wilson and was screaming for somebody to take him in the first round. I was screaming for the bucks to take him in the first round. I was screaming for the bucks to trade up and get him in the second round, but he just kept falling and I don't know why. So I would not be surprised if fields has that same, same kind of thing where he falls and then all of a sudden he's the best quarterback in the class. But outside of those two, I'm not qualified to try to figure out who, is going to pop after that or if somebody can because quarterbacks in the NFL, it's a crapshoot. Yeah. There have been plenty of quarterbacks in recent history that, that have proven that. And given the way that the league has gone over the past, you know, I'd say decade or so to where the passing game is so much more prevalent than it used to be. It's a wonder how it's a wonder why more college systems aren't, bringing in players and molding them into more of an NFL style offense and getting them ready for that pro level. And then the guys that do go in, a lot of them tend to be flops. And with the way that the NFL has been going, we've seen less importance on the run game. So my, I guess my next question for you guys is how far do we get into this year's draft before we see a running back? I think we see somebody in the f- first round. Yeah, first round. somebody at the back end of the first round is going to pick either uh, Najee Harris or Travis Etienne, um, just because they it they they can. I guess I don't know why they would, but um, we'll see it in the. I don't know if we'll ever see a Leonard Fournette top ten pick again, but we'll definitely see first round guys go still. Earl outside of the quarterbacks we've talked about and, you know, the Najee Harris and Travis ATN, is there anyone else in this draft that stands out to you as someone that could be an absolute difference maker for whoever they get drafted by? Devante Harris. Outside of Kyle, outside of Kyle Pitts. Devante Smith. Is it Devontae Smith? You did, or did say, I say Harris. Harris? Yeah. I meant Smith. Yeah. From okay. Alabama. Wide receiver. Yeah, I think Devontae Smith is outside of the quarterback class of Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence and the running back class of Najee Harris. It, and obviously the tight end of Kyler of Kyle Tra or Kyle uh, Pitts, it is going to be Devonta Harris. 
Devontae Harris has the uh, Smith. Devontae Smith. I don't know why I keep calling him Harris. Devontae Smith has the the mindset, and he reminds me kind of of a uh, Tyreek Hill or with speed, but then also the ball catching ability of Des Bryant in his prime. All right, Jacob, who's yours? I, I think if you're if you're looking at skill positions, it's really kind of a stacked draft at wide receiver. Like Earl mentioned Devontae Smith. Um but then you have a teammate of his in Jalen Waddle, who people say could be better than Devante. Then right there across the bayou, they've got Jamar Chase at LSU. And then you have other guys that I'm not... Those are kind of the top three, along with Kyle Pitts, in the top ten that'll kind of stand out. You have a couple... You have a, a wide receiver from Minnesota named Rashad Bateman, who a lot of people are high on because of where he's projected to go in the draft. I don't think they think he's going to be nearly as good as those other guys, but I think he could be better value at a later round or at a later pick than in the top 10. But with all that said, it's, it's Kyle Pitts and it's not close uh, as far as who my, my biggest difference maker will be outside of the quarterback position in the skill positions. I think Penny Sewell has a chance to be, a difference-making tackle. Like if he went somewhere like Cincinnati to protect Burrow, and then they could pick up some wide receivers later in the draft, I think that that would be huge for them. But they'll probably go wide receiver first just because it's the Bengals, and they're okay with Burrow running for his life. Even though he has a stud wide receiver to throw to, that's all they'll care about. For me, I think it's got it's going to be on the defensive side of the ball, um, specifically in the secondary. You look at a bunch of the the cornerbacks that are out there. You know, Asante Samuel Jr. is out there. You've got J.C. Horn. You've got a number of different guys who can who can sign and, and make a real difference uh, no matter where they're at. And you know, again, we talked we talked about just a few minutes ago. Given the state of the league, how pass heavy the league is, you, know, you need a high quality cornerback. You know, at least two of them to to really have make an impact on an outcome of the game most times sure your defensive ends are great for rushers yet your, your your defensive tackles who who you're going to want to have you know someone in there to, to get some pressure on but really it's going to come down to those cornerbacks and those safeties and i think there's there's a lot of guys out there um that may be a little bit farther down down the list here maybe shakir uh shakir brown uh, from Michigan State, I think he's another fantastic talent that could be out there. Uh, maybe you know somewhere. I think he's probably going to fall you know late first round, early second round. Um, and he, if he makes it second round, I think he's going to be an absolute steal. So, um, looking at the draft as a whole, you know, a lot of a lot of stuff is made over the past few years over you know how many of each position get drafted in the first round or offensive player versus defensive player. What do you see? What do you think we see more of in the first round, defensive players or offensive players? Um, so I kind of broke up. What was the question again? Um, 
looking at the draft as a whole, specifically the first round, what do you see? We what do you think we see more drafted in the first round? Offensive players or defensive players? Offensive. So the reason why I say offensive um, instead of just like throwing out something and running with it, um, I say offensive because you're looking at once in a lifetime quarterback and Justin or uh, Trevor Lawrence. You're looking in that one. You're looking at that once in a lifetime runner up in Justin Fields. Um, then you have the star Kyler Trask or Kyler Kyle uh, Pitts. I say offensive because there's so many options that you can go with, whether it's offensive line, wide receiver, or even tight end, just to stay out of the quarterback running back spell. Uh, there's just so many out there that it outnumbers the defensive skill. I look at it this way. I think you're going to have five quarterbacks. I think that's that's almost a lock. It's almost a guarantee. You're going to have probably five wide receivers. So now we're already at 10. You're going to have a tight end. That's 11. Probably going to have a running back. That's 12. And then you're probably going to have like six or seven offensive linemen. So say six, that puts you at 18. That's more than half. So to me, it's, I'd be shocked if more defensive players go. See, I have to disagree. I think, I think outside of those top, you know, 10, 11 guys, you know, that you could, you know, run across the different positions uh, as far as the offensive side of the ball. I think you're going to see a lot more teams stock up on the defensive side here, especially early on, because there is a ton of talent out there on the defensive side. And with offenses continue to get better and better every year, but, you know, number one, with the rule changes, number two, with the quality of players on the field, uh, we saw tons of injuries over the past couple of years. I think defensive uh, is where a lot of teams are going to go. Um, a lot of teams are gonna, probably going to feel okay, if not you know, great, about their their skill players on the offensive side, and they're going to try to wait a little bit to get you know to before they you know find their backups or players of the future there. Uh, I think there's a lot of teams that could just look at it and say, all right, you know what, we've got you know. You know, if you look at Atlanta, for example, you've got Julio, you've got um, good well, running backs, you've got Matt Ryan, you've got you know you have multiple wide receivers out there, you've got a pretty good O line. So, I mean, really, and I think there's a lot of teams, team like said, a lot of teams that are going to be in a year? similar position. No, we're we're a good team. We're just we we had we've had injuries, lots and lots of injuries. You know. And that's been one of our biggest issues over the past couple. Of so years. you have, so the Falcons have, the Falcons have forty nine thousand year old Matt Ryan. <laughs> um, they have forty nine thousand and a half year old Julio Jones. Um, the the one spot that I, I I see Atlanta being set on on the offensive side of the ball is probably wide receiver, but. You could use Kyle Pitts. You could use Sewell or Slater, the other the top two tackles. 
you could use a quarterback, frankly. I, I, I don't know. I just, it's almost a guarantee that five quarterbacks and at least four wide receivers go. That already puts you at nine. So you just need six more or seven more people on the offensive side of the ball. I, I think that happens. Yeah, you know, I would have put it past. I mean, anything can happen. And uh, for for future reference, real, I am actually older than both Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. So, um, Matt Ryan is thirty five, and Julio's Julio is thirty two. So, um, <laughs> that's different in football. So, years. Julio's thirty two no, years yeah. old. Julio's only thirty two. Yeah, I was certain he was at least forty. No, no, no. <laughs> I know no. he wasn't that old, but he's just. Yeah, no, he was. Yeah, he was drafted. After he's just now. been around a long time. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, Matt is not old by quarterback standards. You know, obviously look at Tom Brady pushing the limits up there, you know, in the, the geriatric did you, uh, side of things. Did so. you really just compare Matt Ryan to Tom Brady? No, I'm not comparing him to Tom Brady. I'm saying, you know, you've got, you know, Matt Ryan, who is not old by any means in terms of the NFL. But Tom Brady then, is course, like an Tom Brady who is pushing wonder. the geriatric side. But he's like an ageless yeah, wonder. Know. Matt Ryan is not. <laughs> One good shot to his knees and uh, Tom Brady would be done. So how dare you put that juju on my team? <laughs> you know, it, it is what it is. I, I don't, I, I don't like putting juju on anybody's team, but uh, if, if I could, if I could, if I could wish it on anybody, it would, it would be Tom Brady. Of course. So. What about and the New York Yankees? So if I were to put juju on any team, it would be to the Cowboys because Juju Smith Schuster. <laughs> wow there you go that's a good pull right there wow yeah. I'll, I'll allow it i'll allow it yeah um so yeah i think that's gonna be it i'll see, um, I'll see myself out <laughs> i think that's gonna be it for our draft talk uh, i wanted to get that in there because uh because of when we record we likely wouldn't have the episode out before the draft happens next week and uh i just want to get your guys' thoughts on that and the other like major sporting news that came out this week was hold on. there were 12 hold on, Seth, Seth. Yes. hold on hold on hold on earl do you know what esl stands for esports league no <laughs> european sports you're league. closer you got european super league that's what it there means. we go there you, you got go. there yes. you got there the the uh the european Look, super it's league. Not, uh, I don't even know why you're you're racking my brain on this. It's not even gonna freaking happen. As you saw today, it freaking collapsed. It's not gonna happen. I'm not gonna waste my time on it. Just like Jacob kicked his feet up for WrestleMania talk, I will kick my feet up. Yeah, hey, I was engaged in the <laughs> WrestleMania talk. I took over that segment just so that I would be engaged. Oh, I will engage myself, but. Don't expect me to have anything positive to say about this extreme soccer league or whatever the hell they want to call it. Extreme soccer, that would be fun to watch. <laughs> I, I, would, uh, I would enjoy watching that. My bad. I meant I meant elite soccer league. What popped into my head when you said extreme was like an XFL, but for soccer. <laughs> and that could get ugly real fast. That would be really interesting. So can we say that Phoenix is like the the WWE of of the USL? 
because they're always um, they're always scripting. Are you, are you saying false. that the WWE is fake, girl? No, I did not say that. I said they scripted their falls. <laughs> they made a, They might have over exaggerated a shot to the leg. Exactly. They're showing entertainment. Ah, okay. Entertainment. That's what it is. I, that's what it is in wrestling. I don't think that's what Phoenix is. Yeah, you're right. I'll, I'll stop. I'll, like I said, I'll see myself out. <laughs> um, so yeah, that the ESL was announced on Sunday. Uh, for those of you that aren't that were have been living under a rock for the past forty eight hours, the European Super League was is a proposed soccer league for the for the top for well for twenty eventually twenty clubs in Europe. There were six who had agreed to join from the Premier League, six others from uh, from La Liga and from Serie A who had all decided that they're going to form their own league to kind of go up against uh, the Champions League. And the 12 founding members, 12 to 15 founding members that were going to be announced would be granted permanent status in this league with five other teams coming in on a rotating basis or on a, a promotion relegation basis. Now, they didn't really put out details as far as, as far as how that was going to work or what clubs were going to be considered. So among those clubs, of course, you know, we talk a lot about the Premier League here, uh, Manchester City, Manchester United, Arsenal, Liverpool, Tottenham, and Chelsea had all signed on to this league as well as uh, it was Real Madrid, Barcelona, uh, Juventus, and I'm I, I trying to find a list of all the others here. But uh, this has been talked about in the past. And in response to that, FIFA came out and said that uh, any player – any club participating in this, those players would not would be banned from domestic competition. They would be banned from international competition, uh, including club World Cups, uh, domestic competitions again, Champions League, and of course the World Cup. And the outrage over this has just been absolutely tremendous. Again, if you've been unless you've been living under a rock, you know what's been going on. Fans or supporters were protesting outside of stadiums in Europe, over in, uh, in England especially. The the outcry on social media from former players, current players, and just the complete denunciation of this by entire leagues. Basically, the Premier League came out and was against it. FIFA was against it. UEFA was against it. Uh, many of the Serie A squads were against it. Bundesliga came out and said, "Yeah, none of us are doing it." And in the aftermath of this, all six Premier League teams have decided to withdraw from the European Super League. Uh, Jacob, what was your first thought when the ESL was announced? I don't think I had one, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Like, I understood that it was a... Well, partly, I guess it goes back to I had heard rumbles of this uh, a year ago, probably, maybe. Um, so when I first saw the, the things posting up on social media, I was like, yeah, this isn't new. They've been talking about this for a while. I, I didn't realize that it was official, uh, quote unquote. So that kind of, I just brushed it under the rug for a little while. Then when it became official or I, I noticed that it was more official, um, kind of just thought, okay, yeah, more soccer, whatever. I didn't fully dig into the ramifications of the finances um, and why teams were doing this and everything. Then once people started saying how they were against it, I dug a little deeper, realized what was going on, said, okay, yeah, that's stupid. Um, 
But I barely had time to look into it. And then Chelsea started to withdraw. Man City started to withdraw. Next thing you know, all of the Premier League teams are out. Uh, but I do got to give credit to the Bundesliga and, and kind of push people to support that league a little bit more. Because one, it's incredible soccer. Two, they didn't even try to participate in this thing. They said, nah, we're good. We we have a good thing going. We don't want to mess it up. And, and the owners didn't get too greedy. And it just, it it was, it worked out the best there for any club. I think they, out of all the teams coming out, Bundesliga looks the best out of this whole ordeal because they didn't even get tied up in it. They were just like, yeah, nah, go do your own thing. Premier League idiots. So, so I'm going to be, I've already been watching quite a bit of Bundesliga, but I will definitely continue to watch more and more of it. And, um, when your Premier League team sucks, uh, it's pretty easy to just watch Bundesliga because what else am I going to do? Watch Tottenham and want to throw something at my TV. Hashtag Jose out. Yeah. We're not even going to talk about that because that's been coming (laughs) for a long time. So, Again, there have been rumors about this for years. Lots of rumblings about it. They finally announced it, and the backlash was immediate about this. And you, you talked about the the financial ramifications for this league. What was going to happen? This league was going to be privately financed, and each club was going to be given somewhere they would have three hundred to four hundred million dollars a year to be a part of this. That they didn't have to now, share. With everybody else. Yes. They, they, everything else. Yeah, they didn't have to share with anybody else. They could, you know, do their own thing, whatever. And so you'd have, in some cases, arguably some of the best clubs in the world playing each other, you know, for a full, you know, I don't know, 40 match schedule or whatever it, whatever, whatever it would have been. Now, as of right now, the ESL is still an idea. There's still the potential there. Now, I don't think they're going to be able to do anything with just six teams. But, you know, you had major teams from around the world and major leagues come out. Uh, Ajax said they were never invited. Ajax has been one of the premier league clubs in the world for the past you know, few decades, if not longer. Uh, you got leagues like, and you, you said you felt like the Bundesliga came out looking best out of this. Honestly, I feel like USL League One came out and uh, they made a pretty strong <laughs> statement about it and said they weren't going to be joining uh, the European Super League, which I think was fantastic to hear uh, here in the States that that, that League One, USL League One was not going anywhere. Um, and obviously, you know, obviously it's in jest. And, you know, there were some people who went back, like I think it was, uh, uh, I think it was Aston Villa. Aston Villa early, they went back and they like adjusted like the 2018, 2019 Premier League table. No, it was Wolves. I'm sorry. It was it was Wolves. They went back and adjusted the 2018-2019 table. And if you remove those six squads, the Premier League squads who were supposedly going to leave, then the Wolves are like, oh yeah, we're the 2018-2019 champions. And so then I guess other leagues started to do, other clubs started to do this. And uh, yeah, it, it was really interesting. And if you look at it this year, like you take those clubs out, then you've got Everton, Villa, you know, at the top of the table. which And Leicester at the top of the table, you know. Yeah. So people are doing all kinds of stuff. And then, you know, there were some pretty strong statements that came out uh, against it. And, and Earl, I know you said you haven't look, looked in it, looked into it too much, but one comparison about this ESL that was made was that 
it was very similar to the format of MLS. And that, and then a lot of people were saying that if you're a supporter of MLS, then there's no reason that you shouldn't, that you wouldn't support this new ESL. Or the other, the opposite that was being said was that if you didn't support the ESL, how are you a fan or how are you a supporter of MLS clubs? Do you think that's a fair assumption to say that you, you, you have to support both of them? Or if you don't support the one, you can't support MLS? Uh, no. So I hadn't looked into it and thank God that you guys had, because otherwise I'd be sitting here like an idiot. Um, so no. So I like MLS because it gives room for younger players to grow. Obviously, like with the the uh, the MLS two teams, um, obviously with the USL being local and the ability to move up from USL to MLS, that's always the option. Um, from what it sounds like is the ESL teams that have already signed on, such as the elite teams, um, they never have up and coming stars that have a chance to shine. I mean, you, you're always under the shadow of Ronaldo or Messi or whoever the hell is in that league. Now, um, you never have a chance to make your own name where the MLS you can, I mean, you have certain stars in MLS like Carlos Vela, um, Joseph Martinez. So if you go, you'd have to look deep into each club to find a star. Unless you know, like Carlos Vela, just or Joseph Martinez and those names with the ESL. I mean, it comes right off the bat, right off of right off hand. You have, and I have to look at the clubs in there, but obviously Ronaldo, Messi. <laughs> I don't know which. I don't, I don't even know which teams are left in there. You said six. I don't know which teams are left in there to. to uh, yeah, Juventus, Real Madrid, Barcelona. Um, yeah, it's it, it's basically started falling apart, and we don't know exactly what's going to happen with this. We don't know if they're going to try to rebuild, but. Um, yeah, it's just it. It was absolutely incredible how fast this thing came up, and how f- quickly it seemed to have fallen apart. Like this is worse than like the AAF or XFL in terms of turnaround time from uh, inception to like being defunct. You know, uh, Jacob, for you, do you think the closed system like like MLS is here? I mean, obviously clubs can't go to MLS, but you just you buy your way in. Given the history of football in Europe, do you think the closed system would have ever worked over there? No, because that's never been that way. Um, the only reason why it's like that in America is because when MLS became what it is like now, there there's not a farm system for an Americanized term there of other clubs that can compete. It's just not the the sport's not popular enough here. And if it was, and it seems to be gaining popularity now, so it might get there. Maybe we see a USL league at least with Prowell. I don't know. But now the club system would never work over there because it's it you would have to change thousands and thousands and thousands of people's minds 
and ways of doing things. And that's just not going to work, which is why it might never work here because people just aren't used to it. But as far as the super league goes, I don't, I don't understand the comparisons between that and MLS other than you buy your way in. It's not, it's not a, you're talking about the best clubs of the world for decades now, aside from Tottenham and Arsenal, um, being in a league together, which honestly, if you just say that you're like, yeah, sign me up for Liverpool versus Barcelona on a Wednesday night for no real reason. Like I, as just a soccer fan, I'd like to see that. Why not? But when it comes to money and everything like that, that's when you get into issues. And so I I do think that the super league will, something will happen there, whether it's a small tournament in the preseason or something along those lines. I think we see something. It's just not going to be what they thought it was going to be when they announced it this weekend. So I think the comparison is more, you know, we talk about the closed system and I mean, really how fair is it for the, for these, how fair would it have been for these 12 to 15 founding members to be static members getting 300, $400 million a season or you know, a, a year basically to bring in whoever they want. I mean, this is more than I, most clubs probably spend, you know, a hundred to 150 million. If you're at the premier league level or the Bundesliga level in any given transfer window or an entire season, but these guys are getting you know, two to three times that amount and they're never going to fall out of this league for the clubs that are, that are being, that would have been relegated or promoted relegated into it. You got what five teams is what they were talking about. I mean, how does that work? How do you determine who gets into that? Like, and if you look at you know the recent results for these clubs, I mean, can can you honestly say that that AC Milan or or Inter Milan or Tottenham, like you mentioned, or Arsenal, would they? Do you think that they should be in there based on merit, on sporting merit alone? Yeah, no, I. But like we said, it's it's basically done already. It's not going to happen now, so. Who cares if we thought Tottenham should be in there or Arsenal or any of these other clubs that they had their, it, it all comes down to money. So as far as money is concerned, yeah, they should be in there because they're the top payers in the country over there. But thankfully it crashed and burned as soon as it got started and we at least prolonged having to talk about it again for a while. Yeah, it definitely seems like the the backlash, you know, again, the social media out, outcry, the the fans going in and protesting in person definitely had an impact on this. Do you think it was more the fans, Earl, do you think it was more the fans' reactions or the reactions from the football associations and leagues from around the world denouncing this that caused the, the Premier League clubs to back away? Um, so it, I think it was a little both. Um, obviously, clubs like to listen to their fans. Um, at least I would hope so. Um, so the fans obviously complaining about it had a say, had a had some kind of push on it. 
But I think the biggest part was whenever FIFA and UEFA said, hey, look, you guys want to play over there? Don't come over here. We don't want you. Um, so that was kind of, I think that was the start of the fire. And pretty much now the stars are saying, hey, look, forget that. We like playing World Cup. We like playing against America. We like playing against Germany and teams like that. Why are we going to be punished? Because our owners want to be in this. We just want to play soccer. So well, I of think course I like that playing was... America because they always beat us. Well, yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> that's beyond the point. Um, eventually we'll be good. But I think that was kind of the start was the players saying, hey, look, we like playing these other clubs. And if you're going to ban us because we're playing in a league that our, that our owners and our board members want to be in, look, we just want to play the freaking game. We just want to kick a ball towards each other and have fun with it. Yeah, I get that. And and there were reports coming out that saying, you know, a number of Chelsea players went to the board and said, look, we're not on board with this. We don't like this. And, and around the league, more and more players started to speak out against it, you know, as, as things developed. And and now we're at a point where we are now. You know, who knows if this ESL will, will find some more members. Or, it sound, the way it looks to me is that it's just going to fall apart, but. You know, I, I think that I think UEFA and FIFA handled it pretty darn well. Um, I, it may have been a little heavy handed, but in order to. Here's how I see it now. Um, this is just my foreshadow, um, possibly a spoiler. I see the European uh, Super League crashing and not happening because you reached into one of the top leagues in the world in the premier league and they backed out what other league are you honestly going to look into Bundesliga has already said no premier league is essentially without actually saying no said no there's not many elite clubs out there that are going to sign up maybe ajax signs on to be the seventh team but now you have seven teams instead of the 12 that you had um, there's not many clubs that are going to sign on and be able to compete with Barcelona, Juventus, and teams like that. So I don't see it happening only because there's not many teams out there that's going to want to sign up to get their butts kicked by Ronaldo every other week. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment of that, you know. Yeah, I really, yeah, I don't see anyone you know, really wanting to sign on for that. Like you said, it's yeah, it's really a matter of the haves and the have-nots, and you don't want to be a have-not saying, "Oh yeah, sure, we'll go and you know attempt this," you know, because what's the what purpose you know or what benefit does it give you if you go in there, get your asses kicked, and not you know really go anywhere with it, you know? So I completely understand that that point of view and. And, uh, you know, all the all these changes and, and stuff in the ESL brought about another announcement from UEFA. And this is actually, you know, backed by the ECA and FIFA. And they are making changes to the Champions League format. They are expanding from 32 to 36 clubs. And there will be 10 uh, group stage games against... Um, it says um, every club will now be guaranteed a minimum of 10 league stage games against 10 different opponents, five home games, five away. 
rather than the previous six matches against three teams uh, playing on a home and away basis. Top eight sides in the league will, will qualify automatically for the knockout stage. And ninth through 20, 24th will compete in a two-legged playoff to secure their path to the, fi- to the final 16. Now, I think this is interesting. Interesting. This, this to me, reminds me of the NCAA tournament expanding from, you know, 64 to 68 teams. And I, or even, you know, the college football playoff expanding a little bit there. Uh, I think this is exciting. You know, it gives more clubs an opportunity to go to a European championship uh, or a European uh, level tournament. And I think this is going to work out far better than the ESL ever would have. Uh, Jacob, what's your take on uh, the changes to the Champions League? Seeing as I just found out about it just now, um, you're getting my off-the-cuff take here. And yeah, it sounds it sounds great. I don't know why it took a Super League to make these changes, but hey, whatever. Um, but personally, I don't... I don't know if the Champions League was broken in the first place. I think it it is it is the tournament that literally every club wants to win and wants to be in. It is aside from winning the Premier League, the top four spots get you into the Champions League, which is basically it's basically the playoffs like for American leagues over here. You're trying to get into that. That's what you aspire to be. So it's already what people want to be in. It's already what teams like Tottenham are fighting for fourth place for in the first place. So it already is, it's already up here when the Super League would have probably been a little step lower, in my opinion, just because it doesn't mean as much. It doesn't have the history. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead with your snarky remark, Earl. Go ahead. The the Spurs are fighting for fourth place. Kind of. They're like right. It. It's possible. In what the AYSO Playground League? To quote, to quote my favorite basketball player. Anything is possible. Kevin Garnett. Yeah. (laughs) So. So to to quote my favorite basketball player. No, 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 no. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> oh, that's great. The Gimbe Mutombo, of course, you know, Atlanta Hawk, long time Atlanta Hawk. I love that commercial. I hate that the, the Sprinkles one is gone, the, the one with the uh, uh, tag team. I hate that that one isn't really showing anymore, but uh, I love some of, some of the Gimbe Mutombo. But uh, yeah, I mean, Champions League is always fun to watch. There's always some good teams. I think expanding that format is going to be fantastic. Um so before we close out uh, our, the first half of our of our show here, you guys have any final thoughts on ESL, NFL draft, or uh, Champions League? No. All right, well, that's going to do it for part one of episode 35 this week. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, I appreciate each and every one of you being here. And uh, stay tuned later this week. We're going to have part two, which we're going to record to right now. You've been listening to Somos Mas, your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United and weekly discussions from around the world of sports. Each episode is recorded live on Tuesday nights on our YouTube channel and goes live on podcast platforms around the world later in the week. Our show is written and produced by Seth Bedoff, Jacob Terrell, and Earl Nieto, and is edited by Seth. All episodes are recorded and edited using Zencaster and Audacity. <laughs>